The series we're starting today, um, I, I've just been really, really just stoked about even talking through this. And so one of the things that we do as a family every year, and it looks different, but we'll plant a garden around this time of year. And, and it, it, sometimes we just put it in a, you know, we'll have uh, just put plants in pots. Sometimes we'll, we'll do a raised garden. One year we did a really big raised garden. Um, a couple of years we tried to, we had to put the garden on a, on a cart because there's these, these wild ducks that kept eating all of, all of our tomatoes. And, and so we, we roasted several of them. You know, we had duck all summer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I told you I'm from Milton, you know, so if we got a problem, we just take care of it. No, no, but uh, I can't tell you that it didn't cross my mind. But uh, these mallards, they're delicious. Anyways, but, uh, and so we, we put them on wheels, put cages around it, put it on wheels, pull it under the house and stuff to keep the, the ducks off of it. But th this is what I love about this time of year is uh, I know a lot of people work in the garden. Some people plant a garden. Maybe you don't. But just from my experience, what I've noticed is it's, 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 it's different every year. You know, some years we have really good years and what we plant, um, you know, produces a lot of fruit, a lot of, um, you know, we get a lot of vegetables. We get a lot of, some years we'll put the same amount of work in the garden and hardly get anything. And it's, it's weird how, uh, you know, so, some years there's a huge harvest, other years not so much. And one of the big questions I think that we all have, especially if, say, this Easter Sunday you made a decision to start following Jesus for the first time, how do, how do we grow as believers? Like, like really, how, how do we, you know, the, whatever you want to call it, discipleship, sanctification, there's all these theological words for it. But I think the, the, the simplest way to put it is how do we go from a seed of faith to the first time that you heard the gospel and the first time that you, you made a decision to start trusting God with your life to, to growing to the point where now we're leading others to the Lord or now God is working through us. And, and, and so it's, it's, it's like a million dollar question, right? You know, I, I think it's, it's something that we've all thought about and, and really everybody in here wants to grow. If I was to ask you, do you, do you wanna grow as a person? Do you wanna grow as a Christian? more than likely your answer would be yes. Unless somebody made you come to church this morning, you're here because you wanna grow or you're seeking or you're interested in. And so how does that happen in a practical way? The verse that I wanna dig into, it's really a word, but um, it's used in this verse, Luke chapter 13. And Jesus asks a question and he answers it himself. And so that's, when that happens, we should really take notice. And, and this is the way that Jesus says it in Luke chapter 13. Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? How do we grow spiritually? What should I compare it to? And this is what he says. He said it's like a, like a mustard seed that a man took and he planted it in his garden. And it grew, underline that word grew. It grew and it became a tree. And the birds perched in its branches. So that's just a couple verses, but I want you to think about that for a moment. He's showing us how the kingdom of God works, and much of what happens in our lives spiritually, number one, is, is you can't really measure it. When you put a seed in the ground, and you're watering that seed, and that seed is in there, or you're germinating a seed, a lot of what's going on is hard to really measure. And I want to show you the, the perspective here, the picture. A mustard seed is tiny. And that's a mustard seed. You can barely see it. 
And then behind it is a mustard tree. And so they get massive. They get huge. And I think what the illustration, what Jesus is saying, that, that's redwoods there. Let's save that one for a little bit. Y'all hang on. I'm going to show you what that is about, redwood trees. You can drive cars through them. But to go from a seed to a tree, I think what Jesus is saying here is you go from a seed to becoming a source. That, that what started as a small little decision in your life to go to church, to pull the Bible out, to listen to that person over coffee tell you about their faith. What started as a tiny little seed, Jesus saying is now it's taking care of birds, it's giving shade to those that sit underneath it. You go from a seed to a source. You go from something needing attention constantly and needing to be watered constantly you know, to, to something that is large, that's helping others, that's, 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 that's changing the environment and the world around it. And so how does that happen? And I think there's, that's what we all want to know. And, and, and churches have been trying to do this, I think, successfully and some unsuccessfully for like 2,000 years. And, and what I want to jump into before we get into any more scripture is, is that I think that when it comes to growing in the kingdom of God, there's nothing mechanical about it. And we like it mechanical, right? I, I wanna, it's like putting together a set of Legos. Give me the step-by-step list. I want to have all the pieces in the box. Give me the finalized picture. You know what I mean? Like, so, so I know exactly where I'm going in step one, two, three. But when you go to grow something, so much of it, it is, is a mystery, right? Because you can put 100 seeds in the ground and three may grow. And the other 97 just, who knows? In the same soil, with the same water, the same sunlight, the same temperature. And so I think Jesus drills down a little bit into this parable. He's saying the kingdom of God is like, it's more uh, botanical than it is mechanical. You got to be okay with that. You got to be okay with, with not seeing immediate results. You got to be okay with being faithful and, and, and going through seasons of preparing the soil and watering a seed that maybe is not starting to grow at all. So again, another, another botanical illustration, Mark chapter 4, Jesus compares growing in the kingdom of God to a farmer who went out to sow his seed. And he was scattering his seed, and it says that some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. They should have roasted those birds. Some, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Get rid of the birds. No, I'm kidding. So, some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. The sun came up. The plants were scorched. They were withered because they didn't have any root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew. And it grew up and choked the plants so that they didn't bear any grain. And here's where we want to be. Other seed fell on good soil. Somebody say good soil. And it came up and it grew. You should underline that word there, grew again, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 fold. So, so our title of this series is Grow because it comes from a word, a Greek word, oxano, which means to grow. And it's used about 23 times in the New Testament, 22 times and it's literally defined to grow, increase, become greater, or to grow in, in, inside out. And I think everybody here wants to grow, increase, right? Become greater, 
and to see this Christian growth happening on the inside. And if we look at our story again, what, what I, what I want to see about when Jesus is, is comparing how we grow as Christians to a farmer that's sowing seed. And one of the things that I know about seed is it's, they're all pretty much the same. And I want you to, to look at that story a little bit closer. And so he gives different illustrations of different environments that cause the seed not to grow. And when it comes to our Christian faith, a lot of times we kind of want to blame the seed. But the constant in the story was the seed. The inconsistency was the soil. And what Jesus is trying to tell us is that when the word of God goes out, which it does all the time now, right? Like, like every Sunday we're hearing the word of God. You, you, we have access to more podcasts and biblical literature like, than we've ever had in the history of man. So, there, so there's lots of seed in the world. There's lots of teaching and preaching and things that you can listen to. Churches, there's, you probably passed seven churches coming here that, that are preaching out of this Bible right here. Same seed. And they might have sang the same songs we sang this morning. Same three. And they might have the same pews and, and, and even have the same structure as a leadership as our church does. But have you ever wondered, I think about this a lot, how, how a couple hundred people can sit in the same room and hear the same message, and some walk out and they're like, I give it a three. He did all right. This, I mean, he's tired. He's so wore him out. He, he looks a little ragged. He must have had a big night Saturday. I heard he was out, you know. And then some can leave, and it's like, that's the best sermon I've ever heard in my life. Oh my, during worship, tears are pouring, hands raised, and then another person's like, yeah, we just, this ain't one, this is not my favorites. I just, you know, you know, I tell people we're not worshiping you, so it's not for you anyways. Uh, but uh, anyhow, same seed, same Bible, same songs, different results. Why? It's the soil. It's my heart. It's my soul. We have to prepare that. We have to prepare the soil. Easter Sunday, we, we cast a lot of seed. We gave the, we, you know, and you may be here because of Easter Sunday and something was said and, and you, you put your faith in Jesus and the seed was planted in your life. But to go from a seed to, the, to a source, right? To go from a seed to a tree, there's some work in the, in the middle there. We actually have a pretty large agriculture, like an ag country in in the north in north florida if you go north of here um, once you get past like like milton or cantonment and you keep going north that's where i grew up at jay and uh century there's a lot of a lot of plantations a lot of farmers and 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 i didn't know this until you know just just asking asking questions but one of the things a farmer knows is that every year before they plant anything they test the soil and I didn't know this. And, and if you drive north, depending on what time of year, you're either going to get cotton, corn, or peanuts. Those are like the, the trinity here in, in the panhandle. It's cotton, corn, and peanuts. And what I didn't know until just, just learning and, is that cotton, what cotton does is, it, I mean, it's a good crop to grow because you can, a lot of times you can subsidize it. The government will pay you not to grow cotton, but it's terrible for the soil terrible so like when you have a year of cotton if you grow cotton it's hard to come behind it and grow anything else because it strips all the soil of its nutrients and then there's certain crops that do the opposite 
And so what Jesus is telling us here in this parable is we've got to look at our lives as a field. And the seed is the same. It's been the same seed for 2,000 years. We've been preaching out of this Bible right here for a long time. What's changed is the soil that it's hitting. It's the soil. It's what's going on on, on the inside. And so over the next couple of weeks, that's what we're going to be really focusing on is, is you know, God does his job with the seed, and then we got to do our job to prepare the soil. And I think there's a couple of things that we can do just practically to prepare the soil. I want to give you one more verse, First Peter. It says, like, like newborn babies, how do we grow? Like newborn babies, we should crave pure spiritual milk. First Peter chapter 2. So that by it, we may grow, grow up in our salvation. That's that same Greek word, oxano, that we may grow up in our salvation now that we have tested that the Lord is good. All right, so I want you to catch this. So, so here is the right, Peter is telling us to desi desire spiritual milk. What does he mean by that? And I, and I think what he means is the same water that grows an acorn nourishes an oak tree. And a lot of times we, we come to church, and I hear this a lot, Pastor, I want you to go deep. Give it to me. I, I want you to give me the, like, the Greek, Hebrew. I want to learn something. If I don't learn something today, then I'm going to be a little upset. I want it complicated. I want it hard. And I think what First Peter is telling us is that it's the same stuff that started out our faith. It's the same stuff that keeps us growing even when we're a massive oak tree. And the Bible doesn't say to cut out milk. It says desire meat. And, and what I'm seeing is that, a, is that the milk, right, if you have a newborn child, at one week, milk is good for them. And if you're 100 years old, guess what's still good for you? Milk. And it's some practical, simple things that start us on the journey that keep us growing. And so I want to give you a few of those that I feel like there's a pattern we see here in the New Testament. And I think the first step when it comes to growing, to go from a seed to a tree to a source, is we get baptized. And some of you are like, all right, I'm checking out. I've been baptized 33 times. All right, no, let me, let, me, let me explain this just a little bit. Because the best that I can tell, there's three different baptisms in the New Testament. Three. A lot of times when we think of baptism, we think of what's happening today. The first baptism we see is, is, is what I want to just call, it's just salvation. That when you put your faith in Jesus for the first time, wherever you prayed that prayer, for me, I prayed that prayer at a house in Milton, Florida when I was 17 years old. It was not in a church. I knew something happened on the inside of me. Some people pray it in a church, some people, but, but there's, there's something that happens when we put our faith in Jesus. The Bible talks about that we're baptized into Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says it like this, we're all baptized by one spirit, into one body and so that first baptism i want you to to see this it starts with a decision at some point in your life you made a decision to put your trust in god and put your trust in jesus and it, and, and the bible calls it the way that it explains it is that you're baptized into this to, to the a church community you're baptized into christ and that word just means it means to immerse or to submerge so you can almost look at it as a seed, that there was a deposit that was made inside of you when you became a Christian. And so that you got, like the, another verse is that it, the Bible talks about we're sealed until the day of our redemption. And so something happens on the inside of us. 
We get a measure of the Spirit of God. It's, it's poured into our lives. We're Christians now. And, and before I go forward, I don't want to, I want to make sure I'm clear on this. This is, the best that I can tell, this is all we need to get to heaven. Because last week when Jesus was on the cross and there was a thief there and he said, hey, can you like, just think about me when you get to paradise, when you come into your kingdom? And he didn't have time to get off the cross and join a church. He didn't have time to get off the cross and get water baptized. He didn't have time to get off the cross and take communion. The thief, you know who I'm talking about, right? The thief. He didn't have time to get off the cross and go to a worship service. He had none of that. But Jesus responded to him today. You will be with me in paradise. Something happened in him when he reached out in faith to that man on the middle cross. And according to Jesus, that was enough to get him into heaven. And so the next two baptisms I want to talk about, I don't want you to see this as or adding anything to salvation, because salvation is a miracle. And when that happens in our life, it says that we become new creatures. Something incredible begins to happen. Galatians 3 says it uh, like this, that we're all sons of God through faith in Jesus. For all of us were baptized into Christ. We have clothed ourselves with Christ. So it starts with a decision. Somebody say decision. Starts with a decision. And then it moves on to this next baptism that we're going to see today. And and this is something that we see, um, I think it's important for many reasons. But I think one of the critical reasons is this, that, that it was a part of, of Jesus' life and his faith development, right? Like the Son of God, his ministry began the moment that he was baptized. It says that in the River Jordan that John the Baptist dunked him, and then it was in that moment God showed up, spoke into his destiny, and it was a critical moment in the growth of his life. And what I've seen in, in my life and many other people's lives is that, that when it comes to this decision to get water baptized, now we're moving from a decision to a declaration. So, Because you can make a decision and nobody will see it or know it. You can, you can pray the prayer of faith and it can be completely internal and your parents don't know and your community don't know and, 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 and so you're not telling anybody. But when, you, when it comes to the, the point where you're like, I'm ready to be water baptized, it's an outward sign of an inward decision. And so the way that we do it, I was sprinkled as a kid, all right? I was raised Catholic, and so I don't remember it. It wasn't my decision. You know, my mom, we were raised Catholic, and, and so I don't remember much. I do remember getting kicked out of CCD classes. And so I was a, a bad kid um, <laughs> growing up. And so nothing was by my choice when it came to church. My mom made me go, all that stuff. But the, there's the thing about baptism. It's a public declaration. What started as a decision, now you're saying, okay, I want people to see, I want people to know. And the symbolism here is beautiful because it says that we go under, that we're buried with him in baptism. And it's so, what I love about that is a few things. Number one, for a seed to really grow, it has to die. The germination process, it begins to break up and new life begins to form. And baptism, the symbolism is, is, is we go under and our old life is left in the water. Because what happens is we can, we can make a decision and say, I'm going to follow Jesus, but I call it now we're saints with sinners' problems. Because we got stuff in our life still. That, that so, like sometimes God just delivers us from things, but then there's, there's some things that we got to walk out of. 
Some, some people, maybe it's different, but for me, you know, I made that decision, but then there were still some things in my life that I knew I needed to leave behind. And so it was a couple years I was, I was going to church, and, and, and then I, I, I'll never forget that it was on a youth retreat that, that I, I decided to get water baptized. And my life completely changed. Because up to that point, this is how nervous I was about speaking in public. The pastor asked me to share my uh, testimony before I got baptized. And so I wrote it down, and I had him read it. Because I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't talk in front of people. And, and what, what I've seen in the lives of so many Christians is that when you make that decision to be water baptized, now you've got to make it. You've got to make that decision. I think some of you, you were baptized when you were a kid and it wasn't your decision and you should reaffirm your baptism today. You're like, well, I don't have any clothes. I got you. We got shorts. Let me see that shirt. You, it's worth getting baptized just to get one of these shirts, y'all, okay? Check this out. It says, I left it in the water. You need to get baptized. That, that's your, I know it sounds so simple, but, but, but what, what happens is, is then people around us see it. And so I feel like there's something that critical happens and then it starts to overflow in our life. Now our family sees what's going on and our friends see what's going on. And it's not just an inside thing, it's, it's an outside thing. People around us begin to take notice and our life begins to change. Our life begins to change. Matthew 28 says it like this. This is, why should we be baptized? Jesus gave us the commandment. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it's a picture, y'all, a beautiful picture of the burial and the resurrection of Christ. And that life happens inside of us. There's some things that go in the water, that stay in the water, and there's some things that come out of the water with us, new life, new power, new, new, new focus, things that we didn't have before. I heard a story about a, a baptism that was going on, and this, 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 uh, the, the town drunk showed up at the baptism and said, preacher, I want to get baptized. And so he said, all right, we're going to do it. He said, you're going to find Jesus in that water. And so he dunks him, he puts him down, and he comes up and he says, have you found Jesus? And the guy said, no, I haven't found him yet. He says, all right, we're going to do it again. <laughs> he dunks him down, holds him down 15 seconds or so, brings him out and says, all right, have you found Jesus? And, and the guy was, you know, he's kind of a little loopy. He says, I, I, I still ain't found him, pastor. I'm sorry. And so the pastor says, all right, third time's a charm. We're going to put him down. And so he holds him down. He holds him down. He comes out. The pastor said, did you find him? And the, and the town drunk said, are you sure this is where he fell in? <laughs> I don't see him down there. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. That was free. It wasn't in my notes, so I, that one just came to me. But, um, but when you feel that pressing or that nod to get baptized, you should do it quickly. You should do it quickly. Today's the perfect day to do it. The third baptism that we see is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So we have a decision, right, that we make, salvation, the Holy Spirit, we're given a measure of it. The we get baptized in water, that's a declaration. We're letting everyone know I'm giving my life to God, I'm starting over, leaving the past in the past, I'm moving forward. But then there's this third baptism. 
And this is what Jesus talked about while he was walking around for 40 days after he came out of the grave. So for 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus just showed up to people, showed up to the disciples, showed up in, you know, the disciples were meeting in a room. It says he just walked, just appeared and just spoke with people. He showed Thomas his wounds. And, and so he was in this glorified body. And this is what he was talking about, Acts chapter 1, after his suffering. So this is this time frame right now, 2,000 years ago. He presented himself, gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and all he wanted to talk about was the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, I'm glad that's there because he can eat with his glorified body. So if anybody wants to know if there's going to be food in heaven, there it is. <laughs> while he was eating with them, I love to eat, y'all. I'm a big fan. Um, he gave him this command. This, this is how critical it was. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father that he promised, which you heard me speak about. John baptized with water, that public declaration that we just talked about, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, you see this five or six times. This was really important to the disciples. Now, there's two camps, I think, in that, in that when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's a large portion of Christians that are known as cessationalists. And they think miracles and signs and wonders and all of that stuff in the book of Acts was just for the disciples. Now, here's my, my question to that. Number one, salvation is a miracle. You know, the fact that people are giving their lives to Jesus, here we are 2,000 years later, for a soul to go from darkness to light, to just, just that in itself is a miracle. But, but number, I think the second thing is, why would God plant something so powerful in a group of people and then make it stop with them? I don't think he would. And this baptism of the Holy Spirit, what I want you to see, the first one, first baptism is a decision. The second baptism is a declaration. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is praying from a, for a demonstration of God's power in your life. And that's the common theme in the book of Acts. When they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, when they would show up and say, hey, have you been baptized since you believed? Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Every time that that would happen in someone's life, it was marked by, by a demonstration of God's power. Some spoke in tongues. Some, Peter, right, 40 days before that happened, he wouldn't even, he was denying Jesus in front of a little girl. He was scared, right? Three times. And then after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he steps out of the upper room and preaches with boldness to thousands of people like a man on a mission. What happened? The baptism in the Holy Spirit. Some of you have made the decision. Some of you have been baptized in water, but I think maybe some of you might want to pray for that third step. Of, of, of a demonstration of God's power in your life. And I think, that, I think that, it's, that God wants that to happen over and over and over. That, that you know, Jesus said signs and wonders are going to follow those that believe. Not just the disciples, not just the leaders, but, but everywhere. On the job, at home, that this is a part of your life. That, that, that there's this kingdom that we're all a part of that's invisible. That every now and then it makes it, it shows up. <laughs> And it shows up through healing and it shows up through people getting delivered and it shows up through you having the boldness to do things that you weren't born with. And that's what happened to me. 
I've flunked public speaking. I wouldn't share my testimony in front of three people. But when that happened in my life, and I'll never forget it, it, it something happened. It changed me. I, I believe that I got, these, I got some gifts that I wasn't born with. And I want you to know that God has some gifts for you that maybe you weren't born with, that he wants to deposit in your life, this, it's, and it's power. And, it, and, and, and I, I mean, I'm just thinking for me, when, when I first became a Christian, it was all really new to me. I wanted everything that God had to offer. I'm not saying that you need this to go to heaven. I'm not saying that, that, that the Holy Spirit, if somebody has the baptism, that they're better than you. No, the Holy Spirit makes me better than me. It gave me the power to say no to things in my life that had dictated me for like a decade. And we need that power. I heard one pastor say, you don't need it to get into heaven, but you sure, you may want it to get there. Because it's a demonstration of God's power. And one of the, you know, one of the fruits of the Spirit is, is, is restraint. That it helps you say no to things that maybe has, has crept in and tried to take a hold of your life. So this, this third baptism, the way that I would compare that third baptism would be this. If I took this glass right here and walked out that door and walked down that road and went behind the Catholic Church and chunked this into the Gulf of Mexico... That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where the, the power of God completely overwhelms you, and it's no longer I, but Christ in me. Where you're, every, every moment of every day, you're, you're, you're in communion with the Holy Spirit. How do you pray without ceasing? It's not to live in a monastery. It's that you know that there's the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit in your life everywhere you go. You're a walking church. And I want that. I want that in my life. And I think as, as Christians, it, it may be a, a part of our life that I think we stay away from it because in, in some places it's really weird. You've been to that church, right? It, it, that it's really weird and it, it seems like, I, I mean, I don't know. And there's a lot of bad teaching around it a lot of times. But this is what I've found. The Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. People are weird. The Holy Spirit, come on somebody, right? You don't need anybody to tell you when the Holy Spirit's working in your life. You will know. People make it weird and people put all these weirdness and attach weirdness to it. But it's the power of God in our life to do what God has called us to do. This is third baptism. And so how, how is that even possible? And this is my, my second point and then we're going to pray. There's these redwood trees that we put up earlier. I want you to see these things. They're the largest living organisms on the planet. If we could throw that picture up. Look how massive they are. 400 feet tall. If you've been to California where the redwoods are, there's, there's actually some that you can drive in through. It's insane, amazing. I've never seen those that large. But I, I, want, you to, I want you to catch this. This, is, this blew my mind. You would think a tree that large would have a, like several hundred feet of root, root systems that goes down into the ground to keep it up, keep it from blowing over. But these redwoods, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. They don't grow, their roots don't grow deep, their roots grow together. And so if you've been in a redwood forest, aspens do this, cedar trees do this, juniper trees do this, they, they all grow together in a plantation because they're all connected. 
And, and what I have found in my life, that to, so how do we experience this? How do we go from, from one step to the next? How do we grow in God? Well, we grow when we're a part of a spiritual family. And a redwood, believe this or not, if you were to take that one of those redwood trees and plant it in the middle of a field by itself, it wouldn't be able to make it. It doesn't know how to survive. It's got to be connected to other root systems. So when the storm comes and it blows it, you know, back and forth, they hold on to each other. They're able to endure more. They share things. We are like, we don't even know what all is going on in the, in the, in this, in the world of, of, of plants and, and, and trees. It's fascinating to me, but, it, but it's cool. Jesus compares our growth to the growth of a seed in a tree, and they have to grow together. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. There's no such thing. I mean, you can plant and you can try to grow by yourself in a field. And I'm not going to go to church anymore because last time I went, I got hurt or this happened or this happened. So I'm going to stay home and I'm going to do this all on my own. You might get a little out of the ground, but you're not going to get very far up. Because we need each other. And I think the most practical way I could put this is, is, is to become a part of a spiritual family. Find your spiritual family. And I think the way that we do this is we join a local church. Become a part of a local church. And if it's not this one, there's like, you know, probably 30 or so, um, you know, in the tri-county area that are great. And, and what I mean by that is not joining a church or signing a card, but becoming a part of a spiritual family. That, joining a church is not a real Bible-based idea. Becoming a part of a family is. In Ephesians 2 verse 19 says it like this. You're a member of God's very own, somebody say family. You belong in God's household with every other Christian. So what's the best advice I could give you to do that? Pick one and stay. And this is what you're going to find. Until Jesus comes back, every church is imperfect. Every one of them, because they're led by men and women. And we're imperfect. And so don't let that, that, don't let that stop you, right? You've got a bad haircut before. You went back and tried another one. You know, you tried another barber or, or you know, just find a local church and stay. And the, the problem is we're treating churches like restaurants now. And, and, and we, you know, do they have this? Do they have that? Well, I need this. And again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not knocking that because they need to meet the needs of your family and different things like that. Different churches offer different things. But it's really hard to grow the way that God wants you to grow if you're hopping around. You got to stay. And, and there's going to be things that'll, that'll probably happen. I might have already said some things that cause you to not want to come back here. Okay, and so that's okay. But, but what I want you to, Eugene Peterson is the one that, that said this, and this is probably the most brilliant man in Christendom that's lived in the last hundred years. He said, find a local church and stay and just keep going. He, he retired at the end of his life. He could have been, he could have been teaching it any college that he wanted to, he wrote the the message bible paraphrase virgin incredible author pastor but him and his wife lived in montana and they walked to a little church under 50 people every day now here is a man that led big things and 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 and, and so i want you to hear that I, I think the local church is the hope of the world 
And the way that we approach it is we don't go to church for what we can get from it, and you'll get from it. You'll, you'll receive what you need, but we should approach how, where can I contribute? What, what can I give back? How can I be a source and not just a, a draw here? How can I help this church grow? Or, or, and again, if, if you don't like this one, email me. I've, I'll give you 10 that I would go to. Great churches in this community. But the way that God grows us strong and grows us big is in community. Join the local church. Second thing is getting in a small group. And I've gone over time, and this is the last, last verse that we're going to read. The last thing I want to say, because I think it's important. From a seed to a source, God plants a seed in our life. It's amazing how everything that we do in life starts in, it's invisible. <laughs> you don't see it. It starts so small, and it's just a tiny little seed. You might be an athlete this morning, and that could have began as just an interest. Maybe you, you own a business this morning, and, and that business began as an idea in your mind that was completely invisible to the world. Maybe you're leading a family this morning, and I want you to think back over the years and look at the things in your life that are big and great and have influence that you're a part of. I'm willing to, to, to bet that 99% of them started in the, as a seed. Just a thought, just an idea. And when it comes to growing in the kingdom of God, this is, this is what I want you to see. You, the seeds come to us, if it's through faith, if it's through the word, if it's through something that's taught, if it's during a song, these seeds come to us. But we have to water them. I'm gonna read this last verse. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. There's our word again. So neither the one who plants or the one who waters is anything, but it's God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. They will be rewarded according to their labor. But I want, this is what I want you to see. We are co-workers. We have a part in this, in God's service, and you are God's field. So I want to end with this question, and we're going to pray. But mustard seeds, going back to our first verse, mustard seeds can lie dormant for 40 years. You can put a mustard seed in the ground in a field north of here, and for 35, 40 years, nothing can happen. And then all of a sudden, it breaks the ground. And I want to speak to some things that I know are in the hearts of people this morning that maybe the Holy Spirit is telling you to water them again. And I don't want you to think church. I don't want you to think ministry. I want you to think the way that God moves. I don't, there's no difference between the marketplace and the church house. That God has put seeds in you. And it probably started in an invisible way as a thought, as a dream as a word that somebody spoke over your life, something you read and it just, it just activated something on the inside of you. And my question is, what seed do you need to go back and water in your life? 
Are there some things that, that you gave up on because you just weren't seeing anything happening? Could be a promise. I, I don't know. But I want you just to bow your head and ask that question. Holy Spirit, what do I need to water in my life right now? What do I need to bring to you in prayer? What do I need to cover in prayer? What do I need to pray your word over? Is it, is it family? Is it something at home? Is it at work? Maybe I, just, maybe I need to take my next step this morning and get baptized. Maybe that's the seed that you need to water this morning. Maybe it's that baptism in the Holy Spirit that that's a brand new term that you've never heard and God wants to demonstrate his power in your life but you've got to water that seed. Research it. Look it up. Get in the book of Acts. Look at how God moved in the lives of his people. Water that seed. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a dream that God gave you a long time ago and it felt so real when it happened. You could taste it. You could see it. You wrote it down. You even invested some money in it. But then it just, it just you let it go. But maybe it's, it's just dormant and God's ready to bring it out of the ground now. So Holy Spirit, this morning we ask you to show us the seed that we need to water. Show us the, the seeds that we need to water in our life. And we just thank you so much. Just in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen.